You are listening to Your First 100K, the number one podcast for Christian entrepreneurs, coaches, and business owners who want time freedom and financial freedom so that they can provide for their families, travel the world, and give back to the less fortunate. If that's you, then sit back and stay tuned in because you're in the right place. I'm your host, Joseph Warren. I started my first multi-million dollar business at age 19 and wasted away my 20s trying to find happiness through money, success, and pleasure. I made millions, but I still didn't feel happy or fulfilled until I learned the real secrets of success. So the big question is this, how can Christian entrepreneurs like us who didn't give up on our dreams build a highly profitable six to seven figure business without being unethical, doing it all ourselves and neglecting our family and our faith? Well, that is the question. And this podcast will give you the solutions and strategies you've been looking for. Thanks for spending time with me today. If you're new here, then welcome. Today, my featured guest is the real Jason Duncan. He is a renowned entrepreneur, best-selling author, and TEDx speaker, known for his transformative approach to business success and balance. As the creator of XOS, uh, which stands for Exeter Operating System, he empowers entrepreneurs to break free from daily operations, build assets, and lead balanced lives. I already connect with him on that. Recognized by Inc. Uh, Magazine and Entrepreneur Entrepreneur Magazine, Jason's mission goes beyond business success. He's dedicated to helping uh, entrepreneurs become better fathers and husbands, fostering a generation that values family alongside their entrepreneurial journeys. Jason, you and I are more connected than you might imagine on this. Based in Nashville, uh, Tennessee, Jason is not only a family man, but an adventurer who loves motorcycling, camping, and the occasional bourbon with a cigar. I'm a port-in cigar guy, but you know... This, there's no friction here, right? So you can find more about him at therealjasonduncan.com, therealjasonduncan.com, or check him out on YouTube. Jason, welcome to your first 100K top 50 podcast in entrepreneurship. Go ahead and just uh, take a quick minute, fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? Well, I too enjoy a wonderful glass of port now let's, and then. Let's uh, go. The old, the, 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 like a 20, 20 year mm-hmm. port's probably like the go to. It's really good, good for after dinner. Um, also like Madeira, are, are, have you ever had any Madeira wine? I have, uh, not right. one of my favorite for my palate, oh, see, but see Madeira and port to me are long lost distant cousins. They're very <laughs> similar. Um, but yeah, any of those aforementioned hard, uh, hard beverages are really good with the cigar. I agree, man. Listen, we got to appreciate the finer moments in life. This world is too busy. And so many times we don't know how to be still. Right. And just be, just be, stop being human doings, right? Human beings. Let's go. All right. Take a minute. Share something personal about you that very few people in your business life actually know something outside of the port and cigars. Uh, well, I, I am a huge motorcycle enthusiast and I think a lot of people do already know that, but what they don't know is that one of my 2024 initiatives, uh, as I'm starting a motorcycle touring video blog, and I am waiting for the weather to break <laughs> here in Nashville so I can actually go do something on one of my bikes. But, um, you know, I, I had a pretty crappy 2023. And the last quarter of the year was the worst of my entire existence. Mm-hmm. And so coming out of that, you you start being introspective. Like, what do I, you know, what's life all about? What should I really be accomplishing? What should I really be trying to do? And I watch YouTube a lot and I watch a lot of motorcycle videos, car videos. I'm, I, I like anything that goes fast. And I watched this lady doing her, uh, a tour of the Blue Ridge Parkway, which my wife and I just did on our BMW K1600B last summer. And I said, that's it. That's what I'm going to do. I'm, just for fun. It's going to be that, that thing that I need to do to kind of you know, give me an excuse to ride more, but also to to video it and document it and put it out there for the world to see. So that's a new thing. Um, I'm, I'm starting a channel called Throttle Quest, and it's going to be coming out as soon as I can get on the bike and it's warm enough for me to ride. I'm going to be doing some touring and videoing. You know, I really resonate with you on what you just said as far as last year, man. 
last year was a doozy for a yeah, lot of a lot of business people out there and it gave us an opportunity i think starting back with covid to really get introspective like you said and to focus down on what actually matters to me in my life like what matters most what what is going to be left when all the money runs out or you know the people walk away like what am I going to value on my deathbed? And we hear the statistics of regrets at the end of our life and money and success and achievement and accolades is not going to satisfy us. We're not even going to be thinking about it when we breathe our last. So I just want to get real with you. Let's jump into that personal conversation. Like, why, why is it important to you now to focus on the things that matter most in your life. Um, why at this time in your in your life in your this history, you know why why are you choosing to do this rather than just chasing the next venture, man, the next success? So I um it all it all stems from what I was talking about. The last quarter of 2023 was the worst 90 days of my life, and I've been talking to my audience a lot about this. Um, I've been writing a series of newsletters. I write a newsletter every week to send out to my uh, to my subscribers, and I've been really transparent about what I've learned, what's happened. I haven't I haven't revealed all the details of actually what happened um, because I'm, there's there's some legal stuff involved, so I can't I can't really I can't share all of that. But through that process, um, my wife and I uh, of of twenty she's she and I've been married for twenty eight years. It'll be twenty nine this year, and. You know, we're best friends and and we've gone through a lot of a lot of stuff together, but nothing like this. This has been this has been significantly bad. And it 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 just made both both of us sit around and think, you know, what what are we what are we really trying to accomplish here? So I, I own several different businesses. I started as an entrepreneur in 2010 as an unemployed school teacher, opened up a company and you know, took off and did did fantastic. And uh, then I've started several other businesses since then, a total of 12. And, and I'm thinking, why am I continuing to strive and not grind? I've never really been a grinder. I don't believe in the hustle and grind culture. I think it's harmful. But I have been someone that's on the outskirts of that and been striving. I like, got to build this, got to get this, got to do this. And then everything, when everything crumbled, like really badly, we just looked at each other and said, "What? Like, what are we? What are we reminis What are we reminiscing about right now that we wish we still had?" And I'm thinking back, man, when she was working for, she was an admin for a financial analyst, and I was a school teacher. We were barely making, I think, 75, 80 grand a year, but the household, and like life was fine. <laughs> you know, we were good. Everything was good. There isn't. There wasn't any stress that I can remember. Uh, I'm sure there was, but I don't remember it. And I'm thinking now, I make a lot more than that. And I'm thinking, is it worth it? Like, I don't know. I've had a lot of money and I've had a little money and I don't see a whole lot of difference between the two, except for it seems like the money sometimes brings a lot of stress with it. That's not welcome. So that's why I started really thinking, you know, I'm not giving up on entrepreneurship. That's silly. That's who I am. That's what I am. So, but what can I do to kind of shift it a little bit to say, you know what, I'm going to go do something that's fun, whether I make money at it or not, doesn't matter. I'm just going to do something I like. Yeah. That's really cool, man. You know, and it's also interesting that you went through this with your wife. Uh, so many times when we, I think, when we go through adversity in our own journey, uh, sometimes that can push us away from our spouse rather than bring us closer. Mm. Right? How did you guys, you know, uh, I guess be intentional uh, to not let that happen to you? Well, I think you if you don't have the foundation built already, that that times like that can absolutely demolish an otherwise decent relationship. And um so so we built a pretty good foundation. And 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 you were asking me, you know, pre-show what's one of the best times I've had on another podcast. Well, actually, that podcast that I was on, it got 30, I think 32 million views. The, cl the clip was of me talking about my relationship with my wife and how we don't say divorce. Like it's not part of our vocabulary. We That is off the table. It's not even an option. We're committed to one another. Uh, before God and our family and friends, we stood stood on my parents' front porch in front of lots of people out on the lawn and got married and we committed to each other until death do us part. 
And so we've made that commitment a long time ago. And that podcast, when I said that we don't say divorce, just went viral, it went crazy. It sparked a whole a whole thing called don't say divorce.com. But that was that was our that's our bedrock of who we are. So when we hit hard times, it's it doesn't matter what happens. I mean, we're in it together. We just got to figure this out. There is no safety net. There is nothing to catch us. We have to work it out. So the bedrock foundation had already been built. So, uh, but on a practical side, I think just looking for practical tips, I try to make my home a safe space for me and for my wife in that I don't share, I don't share everything with her that's going on just to have so that I can come home and have a safe space where I don't have to worry about it. And in this scenario that I went through the first 45 days of it, when the crap started hitting the fan, I mean, she could tell something was going on, but I really kind of kept it. I was like, I'll, you know, I didn't want her to know she's not an entrepreneur. She's not a business owner. It's not in her blood. She doesn't have that risk tolerance. So I thought, you know, I'll just, I'll just keep this and I'll just live in the house and do, you know, do my thing. And I'm not going to tell her, well, it got to the point where I, could, I, could, mm-hmm. I couldn't hold it back anymore. Like, listen, this is really bad. You're going to have to step in and help out. And so then we had to make a pact. And I said to her, I said, look, since we're going to be working through this thing together, I think we need to tell each other and we need to shake on it that we don't talk about business at the house. Because it was a bit, this whole thing was a business thing. But we don't talk about the house because if we do... Like we're never going to escape this. Mm-hmm. So we we build hedges around our around ourselves to make sure that we protect ourselves. So there were times when we'd find ourselves in the living room at night, you know, sipping on a bourbon or something and talking, and it, it gets into business. Like, oh, no, we're not going there, man. We got to talk about anything else, but we can't do that because if not, it's 24 hours of this crap that we're dealing with, and we just need a reprieve. So we we built hedges around that to protect ourselves so that we can get sucked into it. But She's a trooper. She's great. You know, we have different mindsets, different, different personalities, different thresholds of the ability to withstand pain. <laughs> and and we work together really, really well. And I'm very grateful to God that I have her in my life. Startup Nation, uh, you know, words of wisdom here, right? With your spouse is put up these hedges of protection, you know, between your business and your personal life, right? Your marriage and and your success and achievements out there in the business world, because it's so easy to fall to that temptation and those conversations and just let them in and be like, all right, let's talk about it just a little bit, right? But not too much. And then before you know it, you're just on this slippery slope and it becomes an everyday conversation. And to Jason's point, you're not getting the mental break, the mental peace that you need to show up refreshed and restored and be creative and be resilient and find those solutions to some of that adversity that you may be going through right now. So that's that's the big reason why to do it, right? And then also to protect your relationship, um, to realize that there's a time for intimacy in your marriage and business will destroy that intimacy, right? Talking about profits and incomes and debt and, and, and any other types of stressors and bills <laughs> will destroy intimacy really quick. That's why finances is typically the number one cause of divorce, right? At least here... In America, so uh, Jason, something that just stood out, right? Obviously, it was it stood out to um, Bradley's audience as well, and it became somewhat of a phenomenon. Uh, is making that definitive decision that divorce is not allowed in our marriage? It's not an option. It will never be an exit plan, right? You're an exit plan guy, right? And and you don't allow divorce as an exit. Uh, in your personal life, like it's never been there. So many of us, though, we struggle to make these definite decisions and then hold to that standard, whether it be in our personal lives or in our business. What definite decisions have you made in your business similar to that definite decision that you made in your marriage that has really helped you to succeed past, say, a lot of your competitors? You know, Joseph, that's a, that is a really good question. And it is one that no one's ever asked. And I now realize through this scenario that I didn't set my business up with as much intentionality as I went into my marriage. Well, 
that statement is good ex to the extent that I see my marriage as much more important than my business. That's one. But I think there's wisdom in the question that you asked is that what, what definitive hedges of protection or statements are we making about our business so that we don't allow it to consume our lives? I think that um, one of the things that I did kind of not on purpose, but over time, I just began to realize it, which led me to be the coach that I am today in the exit without exiting world. That's what I teach and what I write about. It's what I speak about is that I knew that I wasn't going to let my business run my life that I, that, that I just, and, and it wasn't even really that I had a bad examples that I was looking at to see, Oh, this person did that. Although I did have a couple of people that I've, I've since come to know as I've become a more successful entrepreneur is like, Ooh, I'm not going to live that way. I don't, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. But I think that was the protection I had. Did I put in 60 hour weeks, 70 hour weeks, 80 hour weeks from time to time? For sure. I did. Am I proud of it? No. Was it necessary? Yeah. Like I was working through an issue, had to get done. I mean, these last 90 days, I, I put in some 60, 80 hour weeks easy just because it was that or like it was the alternative was just not not to, I wasn't going to let that happen. But I think one of the hedges of protection that all entrepreneurs need to understand is that your business, I believe should support your lifestyle. That's what it's there for. Your The point of business ownership isn't to own a business. The point of business ownership is to have a business that provides the financial resources for you to live the lifestyle that you desire. So I, I look at it like this. I have a mentor in my life who talks about time as tokens. We all get 168 tokens a week. It's the same. Everybody gets the same tokens. At the beginning of the week, we're handed. And you, you're going to have to decide who gets the tokens. Well, you know you're going to sleep. So you got to, some of those go to sleep. You can't do anything. Some of those are going to be eating. You got to eat. And then you got to decide, well, how many of those tokens am I going to give my family? How many of those tokens am I going to give my kids, my wife? How many tokens am I going to give my church? How many tokens am I going to give my God? How many tokens then am I going to give my business? And if we don't build our hedge of protection around the business and understand that it's there to provide the financial resources to live the life I want so I can spend my tokens as I wish, then what do we end up doing? Well, Joseph, we'll end up stealing tokens from our wife. Uh, I need that token back, baby. Yeah, I know I, I said I was going to give it to you, but I, I got to have it back because I got to work late. Or your kids or or you steal it from God. You know, it's like, yeah, I believe in God. I got a good relationship with God. But yeah, I'm going to skip out on this Bible study stuff this week because I got to work. So we start stealing tokens from the things that we say are more important. And we end up at the end of the day looking back and regretting what we've done. During this time this 90 day adversity in your business, uh, were you tempted to steal back some tokens yourself? Oh yeah. Not only was I tempted, but I did. Um, and, and I think there are seasons when you have to make a conscious effort to spend those tokens in ways that you didn't, wouldn't normally, because you have to, there are times when you have to, and my wife understood that there, there were, there were, she was, we were talking, I don't know if it was yesterday or this morning. We we're talking about the day. Like I had the day. This was the worst day of my life in terms of anything business related, finance related, like all of it all at once. And she was talking about that day and the week around it. She goes, that was bad. She goes, I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't know how to, because you're never like this. I don't know how to handle it. Well, when you're going through the day, when that's happening, you gotta, you gotta put in more time. You've got to give it because it's required. But the problem is a lot of entrepreneurs believe because they watch Gary V and Grant Cardone and these people online that are that are promoting a hustle culture and a grind culture that isn't sustainable. Because I can guarantee you, as hard as they say that you should work, they're not working that hard. They're not stealing time tokens. Like they they are making sure that they're doing what's right. Seasonally, you're going to put in some more time. You're going to put tokens in where you wouldn't normally do it. But on a regular that shouldn't be what you should be doing because that is not sustainable. It's not good for your health. It's not good for your financial uh, health. It's not good for your relational health with your wife and your kids. It's not good for anything. It's not good for your physical health. Well, thank you for pointing out what I just made the mistake of doing <laughs> over the past six months. And you're right. I went in with the intention of, okay, for, I'm going to create a season of 90 days where I am going to put in long days 
long hours to turn some stuff around in the business, right? So I, I would be up on Mondays at about 2 to 3 a.m. and start my week and go until about 6 or 7. I want to be home for dinner, right? So I'm not working until I don't like working in the evenings. But I ended up doing these 13 to 15 hour days and 90 days quickly became four months and then five months and then it hit six months and we just crossed the six month mark and it was out of necessity I was doing it but here's the thing God in his wisdom didn't allow all my efforts to change anything mm. so for six months I applied all this effort all this mental energy physically wearing my body out because it's not sustainable, as you said. Not taking time for myself, letting go of my foundational morning routines and replacing it with work so I could start early and just get this done, get the season complete. And it didn't get me ahead at all, which goes against so much in business. Like the things I've done, the strategies I did, they should have worked. Like they, they sh they've worked before in, in different businesses. And I took the wise counsel of other very successful business folks around me and I applied those strategies and they still didn't work. And for six months, I've had a season of overworking without anything working. Have you ever gone through anything like this? And I'm not asking for me personally, right? Although this is personal to me and my story. But I think it really highlights, and I just wanted to admit vulnerably to my audience that I literally just am coming out of exactly the thing you said to avoid. <laughs> and it hasn't got me ahead in business, but it has definitely put me behind personally where I finally stepped back and said, I'm losing everything. And I've sacrificed tokens with my wife, tokens with my kids temporarily, but now it's becoming long-term. I got to stop it. I got to step back. I got to put back my foundationals. And that's what I've done this literally less than a week ago. Mm. And I recognized the problem, right? But that's where I am. So have you gone through this? Have you seen others go through this if you haven't gone through it yourself? And what do you make of this? Because I'm guessing I'm not the only one in my audience that has experienced this? Well, I think one of the um, the parts of entrepreneurship is that, uh, you know, there, there are, of course, lots of books written on the subject, but there's no manual for success in entrepreneurship. There's no do this, you know, tab A into slot B equals C. Like, that, it's not that easy. Every business is different. Um, every every uh, industry is different. So, what worked before or even what worked for another person doesn't mean it's going to work for you in this scenario, in this season, in this time. And uh, I think all of us are significantly frustrated when we put in the time and effort and it doesn't produce results. There are more than more times than I care to admit that even I, who is operating in the center of what I believe God has called me to be, have questioned whether or not this is what I should be doing, not based on anything other than the emotion of failure. You know, the emotion of failure hits us all. And we've got to understand that fear, and this is a new reality for me that's just come up over the last few days in processing, you know, because I'm continuing to process what happened to me. But fear is a natural and automatic response because we're programmed that way. Um, we, we fear what we can't see, what we don't know. And so when we put in, like you've done, Joseph, all the time and effort on purpose to get to an outcome and it didn't happen, that produces fear. Failure produces fear. So failure produces the fear and what's, and the fear is just an automatic response. But what is the opposite? The opposite of fear is not courage. The opposite of fear is faith. The opposite of fear is, is faith, which is believing what you can't see that will be fine. Faith isn't an automatic response. It, it requires will and it requires a decision and it requires action. And so for me in this situation, and I'm sure it's the same in yours, when you fail, 
you hit that failure point, whatever yours is, whatever mine is, whatever your listeners is. When you hit that point of failure, fear is a natural response. So you can't, don't get mad at yourself for being fearful. Don't get mad because it happens. It is what it is, what it is. But then once you realize you're fearful, you have to make the decision to have faith, the faith that it is going to be okay. Now for me, as a follower of Jesus, I can look at that and go, hey, my faith is that God only lives with me in the present. He doesn't live with me in the future. He doesn't live with me in the past. He's only in the present. So when I imagine a future in fear, and I imagine all the crap that's going to go bad, you know what I also never see? I never see him there. <laughs> I never That never happens. But faith would require me to say, you know what? I've been provided for every single time I've ever needed it. So why would I fear not being provided for later? So this faith and fear conundrum, faith and fear are the opposite sides of the same emotional energy. Fear is what happens when you fail and you fear the worst. That's natural. But the faith, faith is what's going to pull you through. Faith, believing that there's going to be an outcome that's positive, that's that's what you got to hold on to. And it requires a lot of willpower to do so. Startup Nation, if you've been tested like I have recently and you're experiencing full on this emotion of failure and you have that choice as Jason's saying to either look at the future as this doomsday scenario and not see your God present in it or to realize he's present right here right now and then look back on the evidence of how he's always been present in those scenarios and even though this situation you're in this situation I'm in doesn't resemble any previous situation I've been in. And more is at stake this time. Those previous ones, I was single. I was a bachelor. <laughs> now I got a wife and three babies. And the stakes are higher. So the emotion of fear is greater. What advice do you give like practical tangible advice not to me but to someone in this testing stage or season especially for all our listeners that believe in god or are at least spiritual and they realize they're not god maybe that's enough faith for them um, what would you say to them like practical endurance for that season of testing when all you're, all you're like riding on is faith because everything physically in your environment is telling you it's all going to burn to the ground. What do you say to someone in that? Maybe you've been in that. Well, I, I think that I was, I had a, I had cigars, uh, with a friend last night. We, he's going through a, a different negative situation. His is more family based and stuff going on. Mine's mine's money. Like mine, mine is business and related to money. My problem goes away with a lottery ticket. Like I win the lottery. My problems are gone, man. Like that's the difference between my problems and his problems and my main mine and yours. But, well said. but I, we were, we were commiserating together over these issues. And as we were walking out to our car last night, he said, you know, he goes, had I not been really deeply a student of mindset, I wouldn't, I would not have been able to survive this. And he's right. And I've said the same thing. So we talked about that. It's like, I have for the last two years of my life, deeply, deeply studied mindset, the power, not just the power of positive thinking, because that can be cliche and that, is, that sometimes loses its, its, its tangible worth. But I have read uh, just about everything Napoleon Hill has written. I've listened to hours and hours of videos from Napoleon Hill, Florence Shin, uh, Genevieve Barron, uh, uh, Bob Proctor. Like I've gone deep because I want to understand how is this wonderful mind that God has given us? How what is its power to affect our reality? And I believe that. I've just went through my final exam. <laughs> I, I feel like this was the test. And, and I don't believe that I would have passed the test had I not been prepared in my mindset. So my practical tip for you and for your audience would be 
you really, really need to understand how the mind works and start looking into this. Go, go. Think and Grow Rich is one of the best books ever written. Uh, I didn't read it for years only because of the title, because it, because I, because my aspiration wasn't to be rich. I never really, that, that really wasn't an aspiration for me. So for me, it sounded too money focused, but, but believe me, that isn't what that book is about. That book is about thinking that see, we forget that the first word in the title is what your mind does. The second word is an outcome. It's about being rich, but it's not just financial wealth. It's rich in every way imaginable. But I, I would say go study how mind how the mind works, understanding the power of creating your reality with your thoughts. It's not about, you know, people, people, people talk about manifestation. It's like some weird voodoo. No, manifesting is just calling to attention that which you didn't perceive before. Conjuring is like magic, bringing something out of nothing. That's not what con conjuring and manifestation are two different things. I'm, when you Your life is manifesting everything you've ever thought about. What you're dealing with is a result of how you thought. My, the reason I was in the problem I was in at the end of 2023 is I was letting fear guide my decisions for much longer than I care to admit. And then when it all finally hit the fan, it's like, ah, oh, I can't believe it. So I have to admit that that what I thought about, I brought about. Like this is what Napoleon Hill says, you know, whatever you can think and believe you can achieve. Like this is where we're at. I would say just study deeply about mindset. Study deeply how what you think about brings about the, the things that are going to happen in your life. And I would say this actively, actively reject negative thoughts. As soon as a negative thought comes to your mind, you have to actively reject it. It goes back to that automatic fear response. Fear is a negative reaction. You have to actively reject that and turn to faith. If you don't, and, and I'm not just talking about faith in Jesus or God. Like, obviously, that's, that, that is a part of faith. I'm just talking about the actual word faith. What does it mean? It means to believe in that which you want, even though you can't see it. That's faith. So fear is negative thoughts, and you have to actively reject that. And you got to turn willfully into faith so that you can get through whatever you're dealing with. Jason, I like you. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah. And I haven't disagreed with one thing you've said, and I'm not here to. And I also want to go one level deeper for the person, for the listener who has really dove deep into mindset and because of it the benefit is they're still enduring the testing <laughs> they haven't gone back and slipped and had those setbacks of maybe going to previous sedations when life gets hard and life gets difficult and they feel loss of control whether it be in their finances in their relationships or elsewhere and they are having faith that God is going to work this out. His plans are for good for them. Yet they feel like they're, everything they touch either doesn't move or gets worse when they touch it. Everything they put their hands to the plow um, doesn't, doesn't harvest fruit. At least they haven't seen it in quite a long time. And they feel this... Like they're in this endurance race of just stuckness, not just stillness, but stuckness of like nothing's working. Yet God has called me to this specific thing that I'm working on and I'm working in, yet I'm not bearing the fruit as I once was. I know you, you dabbled on this a little bit so far, but could you go a little deeper with us in that? If you can. If there's more to contribute here from a what spiritual lens, what specific, give me something specific. I'd be happy to go deeper into that. So specifically, uh, if someone is being, let's use an example, called to coach a certain audience and, right. uh, help them say with, I don't know, marriages and saving marriages. And this is something God has put on them as an example. Right. And it's for good, right? Like they're bringing they're, they're saving marriages from divorce. They're keeping the family unit together, which is highly under attack right now, right? By the enemy and, the, and darkness across the, the world. Uh, 
and they're they're deep in it and they had success in it and they had some momentum and now they've gone through this season of just dryness. Yet they deeply feel that this is the calling God gave them and, and put on them. But every marketing effort that they make, it's like the clients have dried up. And even the clients, the potential clients that they reach out to or invite into the work that they're doing, though they have the means and the desire uh, and they want the, the service, they want the help, something almost spiritually is attacking their intellect and their will where they actually coil up, curl up, back up, and won't engage with that coach per se. That's a very specific example. So the question then really is about how do you deal with it when you feel like you're called to do it, but everything you're doing seems to be not leading to success. Is that what you're saying? That's correct. Well, I think these are the times when it's the test is given as to a couple of things. Number one, I would say is if you truly believe this is your calling, the test could be, how much are you willing to suffer for it? You know, we talk about following our passions and people are talking, Hey, follow your passion, follow your passion. What, what most people don't understand is the word passion hmm. actually comes from the root word, meaning willing to suffer. It doesn't mean being excited about it. Although today that's a, that is a definition of passion, but it's a secondary definition. The original definition is willing to suffer, willing to endure, and that's why, for those of us who follow Jesus, know that that last week was referred to as Passion Week. The passion of the Christ is because it was his willingness to suffer for a greater cause, willingness to endure. So I think maybe if you're experiencing what you're talking about, Joe Joseph, is that if you are experiencing failure, no success, maybe this is a test to see if you're truly passionate about this thing. Are you truly willing to suffer for it? And you may come to the come to the conclusion that you're not. And if you're not, then it's probably not the thing you've been called to, even though you've led yourself to believe that that's what you're called to do. Uh, you know, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, 100% that I am created to be a leader and a teacher. That's who I am. Uh, no matter what I'm going to be doing as a business coach, as a business owner, no matter what I end up doing, oh, I'm a leader and a teacher. That's what I'm gifted at. That's what I'm called on earth to do. The way I exercise those gifts, however, are going to change from season to season. First 13 years of my life I spent in pastoral ministry in my, you know, in my adult life as a, in a career. Then I then I shifted and became a school teacher. Both of those allowed me to exercise the gifts of teaching and leadership. And then I became an entrepreneur. I was running as CEO, a, you know, a small company that was doing doing pretty well. Um, I didn't during that season of life really experience being a teacher, but I really got to exercise my leadership chops. You know, I didn't get to do a lot of teaching. Well, now that I'm a business coach and I've exited that business and I've moved on, now that I am a business coach and this is our, my primary function professionally, it's easy to look at that and go, hey, this is exactly, this is the culmination of everything I've ever wanted, right? It's, I get to lead, I get to teach, it's phenomenal. Well, for this season, yeah, I'm embracing that. But there may be a season where it does dry up and and God may be saying, hey, man, I got something else for you. Maybe it's going back to the classroom. Maybe not. Probably not. Maybe maybe it's going back into ministry. Almost certainly not, I hope. But anyway, it's like, a, like it could be something completely different that I don't even yet imagine. I don't know what that's going to be. So to answer that question, I would say that maybe what you're going through is just a test of whether you're truly passionate about it. And secondarily, maybe this is just, maybe this is a turning. Maybe this is a season of turning where you are exercising what you're really good at and you're passionate about and you're, you're gifted in, but maybe it's time to think about, are there, is there another application for these gifts that I just haven't seen before? Because again, I, I don't know how people who don't understand and follow Jesus and understand, believe in God deal with this stuff. I can only go through my lens and my lens is that I know that he's never led me anywhere. He wasn't also going to provide for and protect me in. So I'm really comfortable knowing that, you know, if, if my coaching business failed tomorrow, which it, it's not even on the brink of doing so, as a matter of fact, it's quite the contrary. My business is going great, but if it did, I'm good. Like I'll figure something other way, but I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm a leader and a teacher and I will continue to use those gifts until the day I die. 
That's super helpful advice. Thank you for that. And I realized that was an off-the-cuff question that you were not prepared to receive on this show. And we went deep. So thank you for meeting me out in the deep. And I think it's important uh, that we have those kinds of conversations, at least on my show, uh, rather than just the surface conversations that happen on many other shows. Yeah. Because we're human beings, right? And we are spiritual beings and we have souls and, and we have to look at things. Everything just doesn't fit in the business box, does it? You know, we really got to find that harmony between our personal lives and these challenges we go through, these testings, and then our, our business lives, our professional lives. So thank you for journeying with me on that. Okay, let's uh, talk about something easier. Let's, let's talk about marketing, right? This is one of the biggest challenges for entrepreneurs, especially in the first few years, is getting their name visible, getting their product visible, getting their service visible. They got the best thing out there. They have a heart or a passion. They're willing to suffer for the cause, for the calling, and they just can't find the potential clients. They just don't know how. Everything they've tried isn't working. They've tried the networking. They've tried the you know boots to the ground, showing up at the events. Uh, they've tried paid ads. They don't know what to do. And they're just watching their savings go down and down and down. Maybe you can relate in your first few years. But this is the typical scenario for many entrepreneurs or millions of them. What has been uh, your best marketing, kept best kept secret or something that you've taught your clients that has been very effective uh, regardless of their industry at really creating that visibility and finding those ideal clients for themselves? So I would want to first say that you are a hundred percent right. That marketing is this art is very, very difficult. Um, I think what makes it even more difficult is our exposure to social media where we're seeing the top 1% of people who have been successful at marketing telling us that we should be having $100,000 weeks, you know, million dollar months, you know, we, sh they're telling us, Hey, I did it. You know, I did it. I did it. Well, it's also, it's the equivalent of NBA, MLB and NFL stars doing short form videos to football teams, uh, baseball teams and basketball teams in high school. And that's all those kids saw all the time. Hey, I did it. I became a multimillionaire and signed a contract right out of college, right out of high school. You can do it too. Well, the reality is, and everybody knows the reality in the sports world. What is it? What's the percentage of people that play high school and college sports that make it to the top level? It's less than what, two, one or 2%. It's crazy. It's so tiny. Well, we as entrepreneurs are exposed to the same crap all the time. And the success rate is exactly the same, if not worse because there's more of us than there are of them. Um, so I think that we need to have proper perspective. First of all, um, when you start your business as a coach or any other thing, you're probably not going to make $10,000 a day. You're probably not going to do have a funnel that works the first time you do it. You're probably not ever going to figure it out. So we are seeing, we're, we're being exposed to lies on a daily basis. Not, not that they didn't do it, but the fact that you could do it. Like it, it's not true. Like you can't go to a, a college football, you know, player and say, Hey, you're going to make millions in the NFL. Now, can he, I guess potentially it's possible, but is it probable? No, it's really, really low probability rate. So as a coach, first of all, get your proper perspective. Like you, you may, you're probably never going to build a seven figure coaching business. You, you know, how many businesses hit a million dollars ever anyway? I'm not saying that to discourage you. I just want to put it in proper perspective. Because maybe that's not what you're called to do. Maybe it's not about seven figures. Maybe it's about seven people. Maybe you're here on this earth to affect the lives of seven people in dramatic ways that you will never see the results of. Maybe that's what you need to pay attention to. Now, if you're blessed with seven figures, do something great with it. Go do something awesome. And I'm working on building my seven-figure coaching business, and I'm, I feel like I'm actually going to make it. It's really close. I'm almost there. So, so not everybody can do it. And I'm not going to lie to you and say that you can. So I think one thing from the marketing perspective is we got to keep in perspective that we are being lied to every day on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube that everybody can do this. And it's not true. Second, 
Second thing is, I believe that this idea of the riches are in the niches, you know, we've all heard this stuff. I believe that it is true, but I believe how we perceive what that means has been false. At least I've understood this now to be true. Is that a niche or niche, depending on how fancy you want to be. Uh, I say niche because I'm from Nashville. But, but I think the niche that you find should be either a what or a who, but not it can't be a what and a who. And that was my problem. Because I was saying, I want to serve male business owners between this age who are looking to do this, this specific thing. And dude, for three years, man, I've been beating my head against the wall to find clients. Now I've been successful and I'm building a pretty significant business, but it was like, I couldn't find a marketing. I wasted tens of thousands, probably, probably over a hundred thousand dollars with marketing agencies who told me that they could help me. I can get you a hundred calls a month with potential clients. No, you can't. No, you can't. You liar. Like you can't do it. Why couldn't they do it? Well, because my niche was wrong. My niche had a who and a what tied together. And that was very, very, very difficult because the people in that, that were so small. So I had to widen the niche to be more about the what and less about the who. The who was kind of secondary. And I finally found a marketing company that helped me rewrite that hook message that's getting attention. And you know who it's attracting? People that I would have never written down in my business plan. People that I would have never said, this is who I want to attract. I thought I was going to be working with the 30 to 50 year old, you know, you know, male entrepreneur and probably in the Southeast somewhere, probably a white guy. Like this is probably who I'm going to be working with. Well, who I'm attracting now is completely different because my marketing company figured out like, this is what people want to hear. And so I don't know, man, like it, when you can't figure it out, I don't know what to tell you. I, I went through tens of thousands, possibly hundreds of thousands of dollars in marketing agencies and marketing crap mm -hmm. to finally find somebody who has gotten me. I don't know. I've probably just since Christmas, we've landed, I don't know, a dozen new clients. And that's pretty good in a month, you good. know, a little over a month. That's great. I've never had that happen before ever. And uh, so it's working, it's starting to work, but, but I had to change my message a little bit, not what I teach, but just the way I position it. And I think that's really the trick, especially for coaches. It's about your message because you can be better than everybody else, but nobody cares. Yeah. What you have to be is something that everybody will remember and are attracted to. That's what we're looking for. So you're the first entrepreneur guest that has come on this show that, with that message in my last five and a half going on six years of running both my shows. <laughs> Just so you know, the with the niches and getting very clear on the who and the what can't be simultaneous. And that actually can be problematic, right? Because the, the niche is too small and it can cause a lot of frustrations, which immediately makes me think, oh crap, I think I'm stuck right there <laughs> yeah. right? immediately because I've been doing the who and the what for that ideal uh, for, like you said, tens of thousands of dollars and coaches and everybody that says they can help me in marketing companies and agencies and they just can't and just disillusioned constantly by it. Um, so I'm, I'm curious because you you went there. You thought it was the 30 to 50 year old white American dude. <laughs> Like, who did it end up being? Well, and, and was, then, and then, like, what's the, what was that your natural re response of like, was it like, oh, yeah, I can't wait to work with that demographic? Or was it like, me work with them? What? <laughs> well, here's the thing. So, so it's much bigger, it's a much bigger answer than the, the, the question. So, I'll back it up a little bit. So, what I do for the sake of your audience, is I work with people and I teach entrepreneurs how to do something I call exit without exiting. How do you get out of the weeds of daily operations without selling the business so you can live a version of what I refer to as the exit lifestyle without having to sell your business? That's what I do. I wrote a book on it. My first TED Talk was on that topic. It's what I did with my business. All of this is based on you know real life experience. So that's who I wanted to attract. Now, what I started attracting early on was the 30 to 50 year old white guy 
like that was running a business who was doing somewhere between three and $10 million a year revenue in his business that just wanted to stop working 60 hours a week. Like I got to quit. I got kids at home. I need to figure out a way to stop doing this. And this exit without exiting sounds really great because I'm not ready to sell the business. I just want to figure out how to get myself extricated from it. Yeah. All right. So that's, that's what I do. <clears throat> and I will continue to do that forever because I believe in that. I ended up developing a system called the XOS system, which you mentioned in the intro called Exeter Operating System, which is a seven stage system to take you from, you know, being owner operator all the way to owner investor. Like, how do you get to the place where your, your business is your investment and you're overseeing your investment rather than daily operations? That's what I do. That's, and I'm not doing that as a pitch. I'm doing it to something to answer your question. So when I started three, in tw like in 2020, so four years ago, when I started four or five years ago doing this, um, that's who I attracted. Well, now that we've got the niche, the, like the message niche is, hey, do you want to sell your business for top dollar? Are you ready to get your business maximum value so that you don't have to work 80 hours a week and increase the offers 30 to 50%? I'm the guy that you will need to talk to. Now, that is sounds like a different message than the original. But the reality is everything I teach guys on how to exit without exiting does increase the value of the business because, and this is a stat, businesses that have owner operators are worth 30 to 50% less than the same business whose owner is not the operator. That is a true stat. So by default, my marketing company was able to look at my messaging and what I was teaching, looked at the stats and went, oh, so really, you've been messaging, hey, do you want to stop working as much? Do you want to get out of the weeds of daily operations? And that is a very small group of people who admit that they want to do that. That's <laughs> a key word, admit. Admit. Now, they all want to, but they want to admit it. So they said, what is the result of you doing this? Well, the result of doing that is you increase the value of the business by 30 to 50%. When those guys stop working 80 hours and they back it up a little bit, it increases the value of the business, makes the business run more efficiently. He said this. So the marketing company I'm working with said, let's message that because there are tons of people out there that are trying to think or thinking about it, contemplating, selling because they're so deep in it and they just, they're ready to sell but they don't know if they're going to get full maximum value. So we started attacking that. Well, guess who the biggest group of people who are sitting on businesses that they don't know what to do with and they don't know if it's maximized? Baby boomers. My parents' generation. My mom and dad. Like Those people are now raising their hands saying, I want to work with the real Jason Duncan. And it was, it's like flabbergasted me. It's like, what? So I'm talking almost weekly with guys in their late 60s, early 70s, who are like, I've built this business over the last 40 years. It's great. But I'm like, done. What do I do? How do I, how do I, I'm not a broker. I'm not trying to try to sell your business for you. That's not what I do. But I could show you how to, in, in a year, like maximize your value and increase the offers that you're going to get by 30 to 50%. That's what I can do. And it was like a light bulb moment when I figured this out. I was like, oh, that is what I can do. Although I've been focusing on this group over here of 30 to 50 year olds who just want to stop working as much. I still want to work with them because those are my people. That's who I am. I'm 48 years old. Like this, I'm in the center of that demographic. Exactly. But now I've got these older guys, baby boomers who built awesome businesses and they're at the end and like, Hey, I'm ready to, I'm ready to get, I'm ready to go somewhere and do something else. Can you help me? Yeah, I can't help you sell it. That's not what I do, but I can help you maximize the value. So for me, that little shift in the messaging, the, listen, the marketing company I'm working with is phenomenal. They, 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 they figured this out and they also helped me figure my story out. Cause when I told them my story about how I figured this out, they told it back to me through the lens, their lens. And I was like, Holy crap. That is exactly why I did this. This is exactly what this is going on. So I think all of us have got to figure out that. Like maybe you're maybe what you think you're doing and who you think you're attracting, what you think your message is. There's really another group out there with a slightly different message. You can still teach the same stuff, still do the same things, but you got to shift it just a little bit so that it's more attractive. Wow. All right, Startup Nation, I just got a ton of value from Jason with that uh, story, right? That's very real and um, a shift that he made that changed everything for him. And it's not only relevant, it's recent. Like mm. just like that's powerful, right? Because we hear of 
oh, I did this strategy in 1949 and it changed everything for me. You're like, yeah, that doesn't work nowadays, <laughs> right? But like such a relevant strategy. And you admitted that you didn't have it all figured out. You asked for help. You partnered up with an agency that was able to look at the gold that you were holding and present it back uh, from a different lens. And that changes everything for us, right? So we have to have that willingness all right, we're speaking with Jason Duncan, the real Jason Duncan. Apparently, there's a lot of fake Jason Duncans. I didn't know that before I started interviewing him today, but now we know. So, Jason, welcome to my favorite part of the show. I know you're not uh, in favor of hustle, but we call this the hustle round. I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. It's just for fun. Are you ready, sir? Yes. What is your favorite thing about running your own business? The fact that it gives me the lifestyle that I truly want to live. Yeah. And what's your least favorite thing? The fact that it steals so much of my energy with things that aren't really important. Yeah. It takes a lot of those tokens, right? I believe we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our life, which is part of the human condition. What are you currently challenged with right now, either professionally or personally? Well, we are... Um, in the midst of dealing with the fallout from what happened at the end of last year that I can't yet publicly talk about, but that is my biggest challenge and it's affecting everything in my life. But I will say this, like we're on the backside of this thing. So from a mindset perspective and everything, it's, it's all good. It's a good place to be on the backside yeah. of the storm, right? What are you most afraid of? Uh, failure. Got it. What did you spend way too much time doing your first year in this business? Um, everything. Yeah. Too much. Right. <laughs> uh, what secret fear do you have about people? That they don't like me. Got it. That's a common one. What do you wish you had learned sooner in business? How money actually works. <laughs> That's everything. What is a new habit you're going to create in 2024? Oh, ah, uh, hab new habit. Um, I don't know. That's, I hadn't even thought about that. I, I, I guess not really a habit, but I'm going to be doing this, that throttle quest, uh, video yeah. bl blog thing that I don't know if there's a habit, but I'm really looking forward to that. Well, that'll be a habit of posting, right? Yes. On a regular basis. So cool. What's a bad habit you're going to break? Mm, negative thinking. Amen. Uh, pick three words to describe who you are now. Um, husband um disciple and uh leader why husband before disciple just curious god my number one relationship on earth is with my wife so that's always the most important relationship second is my relationship with god although in the overall scheme of things my relationship with him is much more important than my wife but we're talking about like yeah earthly relationships i wasn't life. trying to catch you i was just curious. <laughs> and last no, and last question if uh well uh before last question pick three words to describe who you were your first year in business uh green ignorant and um naive yeah and last question if you could come back to life after you died look your wife and kids in the eye and give them only one piece of advice about true success in business and life, what would you say to them? Um, I would say, do what fuels your passion, but don't let your passion lead you down the wrong path where you can't sustain life. Fair enough. Uh, we are speaking with Jason Duncan. Jason, if Startup Nation enjoyed this show, um, they're going to go write an honest review for you, right? Because you just contributed to to them personally in their life and their business. Uh, where can they find out more about you, connect with you if they so choose? I would say go to my website, therealjasonduncan.com. And if you're looking for one place to go on the site to learn about me, just go to my media kit page. So it's therealjasonduncan.com slash media kit. There's more information there. It's not just for the media, but it's for you to see who I really am, what I do, what I teach. There's a video on there that tells my story. That would be the place to go. TheRealJasonDuncan.com slash media kit. Make sure to follow me on all the socials uh, at TheRealJasonDuncan. 
Jason, thank you for being on your first 100K. I could tell you when I started this interview, I had zero expectations and you have wildly impressed me and my audience. So thank you for being here. I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life, sir. Thanks, man. Are you a dad over 40? Are you overeating, over drinking, or failing your family? Brother, if you're overweight, watching porn, or drinking more than once a week, then listen up. If you're struggling in your marriage or finances, you've lost your power as a man. What's even worse is that other men can smell weakness on you. When a man lacks confidence, he stinks of weakness. People could smell it on him a mile away. People and opportunities will avoid him because he's carrying a deadly disease called powerlessness. Remember back when you used to feel invincible, you were in your power, when you were unstoppable, back when you were the man? But how do you feel now, brother? Are you tired all the time, unmotivated, stressed, worried about the future? So what the heck changed? What happened to you? I'll tell you, you became undisciplined. You've been slipping for years, haven't you? You eat like crap, you half-ass your workouts, your health is slipping, your finances are slipping, your marriage is slipping, your parenting is slipping, your confidence is slipping. A pile of slips leads men to a big fall. How do I know? Because I'm you, brother. You are me, I am you. Brother, you're out of power. I'm in my power. Let me help you get your power back. Apply for our shredded father's brotherhood where husbands, dads, and businessmen over age 40 are getting shredded and staying ripped for life. Go to shreddedfathers.com. Limited spots are available. Brother, your wife and kids are waiting for you to step up and lead them. Brother, wake up. Move.